right start to your weekend. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell. My hope is that living by faith will help you do just that, live by faith, and trust the Lord for your everyday life and needs. You know, I am excited to be here. I am grateful for this season. Um, But there is always just so much noise, so much going on. And so today's episode is, is really exciting to me because we are going to focus in and talk about the best news, the only news that we really need to focus on during this season. We're going to talk about the gospel. And here's the thing. I became a Christian as a young adult. And if I think I've shared my testimony on, on living by faith before, but I, um, I thought I'd share it again. I became a Christian at the age of 22, but it took some time and the Lord was gracious and patient with me. <laughs> at the age of 19, I met a young girl and we had we, I was uh, leading a camp, and she was my assistant, and we were staying in the same hotel room, so we didn't know each other at all. And I remember our first night, she opened up her Bible to read it. So I'm 19. She's a little younger. I think she was 18. She opened up her Bible to read it, and I immediately kind of got defensive. I was, I, I thought Christians were a little strange, and I was, I was on guard. And so she opened up up her Bible and I said, what are you doing? And in her sweet voice, she was like, having a quiet time. And I said, well, you leave that quiet time over there. I remember being pretty straightforward that I, I don't want to hear anything about what you're doing, but I don't remember how it happened, but somehow she started to tell me more about her, her life, her walk, and then shared the gospel with me. And I remember sitting on her bed, just weeping as I heard the good news. Now, I had a boyfriend at the time that I didn't want to give up. And I had, I was scared and there were so many different things and different reasons that I didn't submit my life to the Lord immediately. But one of the things that was amazing about this friend is that she was faithful. She would um, every now and then for the next couple of years, we would have lunch and she would just share the gospel with me over and over and over again. And then it was, I was about 22. I came to her church for the first time. I heard the gospel preached from the pulpit and that, that great hymn, Rock of Ages, played and I will never remember uh, never forget this 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 the line the verse that says wash me savior or I'll die and I thought oh that's it I need a savior and I need him now and from that moment the lord transformed my heart and I um submitted my life to him and the whole trajectory of my entire life was changed at that moment and it was it was remarkable <laughs> and and it it's really and when i think about some of the things that i get to do today i'm a writer i'm a speaker i work for moody publishers and i'm i i'm hosting living by faith if you would have told 19 year old trillia that she would be proclaiming the good news she would be talking about jesus i would have laughed there's just no way but god has you know, a way of uh, changing our lives. And he did 
by his grace. Um, by grace, I was saved through faith, and it was not my own doing. It was a gift of God. It is a gift of God, and I can only boast in him. But here's my question. What if she hadn't shared the gospel with me? Now, I do believe God would have saved me a different way. Like he would have revealed himself to me. I believe that. But what if she had been fearful of me? Or what if she would have thought about herself more or, or was overly concerned about the words that she would have said? Or there's so many different things that could have prevented her from sharing the gospel with me. But she didn't. She was bold and she shared out of a compassion for me and a love for her Savior. Evangelism is a scary topic for most. Or I imagine, actually, that many of us don't think about it at all. Maybe we think it's for the uber-Christian, like the super-Christian, or the pastor, or the missionary. But we are all called to make disciples and teach them to obey. But we need some help, and that's why I am so excited to have Jerry McCorkle, who has been doing this and studying this and sharing about this on the show. Jerry McCorkle is co-founder and director of Speed, uh, Spread Truth. Officially established in 2001, Spread Truth empowers Christians worldwide through resource resources, training, and opportunities, fostering connections to God's story. The ministry's integrated approach has empowered thousands to confidently share Christ for um, the, the gospel everywhere. And I'm so excited that he is with me. Are you with me, Jerry? Yes, I am. Okay, very good. Well, I am. I, we barely got to talk before we just jumped into it. So I am just right. really, yeah, I'm really excited to have you on this show. This is a live call-in show. And so I want people to get to know you before we get into the how-tos and the nuts and bolts of the gospel. I shared my testimony. Sure. Would you share yours? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian family. And so my dad was uh, speaking at what they used to call revival services uh, when I was a little boy, and I became under a deep conviction in one of those messages. And so after the service, we got in the car and drove, and we sat in front of my grandmother's house. And uh, at nine years old, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So I'm extremely grateful for the wonderful Christian home that I was able to grow up in. And uh, throughout the process of my life, God has been so faithful. And in time, I uh, graduated from college and in time uh, became a college and career pastor. And it was out of that college ministry in normal Illinois that was spread truth was actually birthed. I uh, decided that I would take college students uh, and equip them to share the gospel and take them to New York City to mm. share their faith. And I've been doing that almost now 30 years. I eventually left the being a college and career pastor to direct Spread Truth full time. And it's been a wonderful journey over the, these many, many years. So how, how long, if you don't mind sharing, sure. you said, <laughs> yeah, have you been following Jesus? You said you were nine. Not, yeah, I'm 66 years old now. And so uh, I've been following him for a long time. And uh, I have a, uh, a wife and three children and seven grandchildren, and God has been extremely gracious to me. 
That is amazing. And so you, was there ever a time when you struggled in your faith or had, because you've worked in evangelism ministry for so long, or has it been just you believed and you got to work? <laughs> well, you know, it was one time in my life that uh, for various reasons, I really went through a dark period of, of depression. And it was in that time period that uh, I didn't feel emotionally connected to God. But the one thing that I knew that I could do was obey. And mm. so I consistently obeyed even when I and prayed, even though I didn't sense his presence. Yeah. And maybe after a year and a half to two years, that lifted. And uh, so I looked back at the time that it was kind of almost a wrestling match with like Jacob with God. And I was just going to hang on to him because I wasn't going to go anywhere else. And I think it was very formative in my life in allowing me to be able to understand and empathize with people who've gone through similar situations. Yes, that's, that's, that's amazing. So long life, long faithfulness. So here's what I have a, I, I've been wondering as I've been thinking about the gospel and that faithful friend who shared with me, mm -hmm. why don't people share the gospel? Well, I think oftentimes people have a desire to share the gospel because they want to reach out to their friends at work or they want to reach out to their neighbors. But I think they have certain obstacles or certain fears that are there. Fears maybe that, hey, listen, I don't uh, know all the answers or uh, that they'll think I'm a little odd. And so I think the desire is there and they may think, well, listen, I'm not equipped enough to be able to do it. I'm, I'm not an extrovert. I'm kind of an introvert. And so what we've tried to do in the organization that God's allowed me to be, to be a part of is to come alongside and help equip people uh, to be better conversationalists and uh, uh, to give them kind of tools in the toolbox for them to be able to share the good news of Christ. And in our particular organization, we do it in the context of the meta narrative of creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And we believe that to be really important because we find people in our culture today don't have the background that maybe they had back in the 50s and 60s. And you kind of need to start at the beginning and kind of give them that 50,000 viewpoint uh, with the cross being at the center of the story. But the cross maybe doesn't necessarily make sense unless they understand how it all began and what went wrong and what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with us. Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting because I think that's how I, I don't know that my friend was trained, but that's definitely where she started. She helped me understand mm -hmm. my my need for Jesus and that I had sinned against the holy God. And so what I I'm wondering and I, I wonder if if this is something that because I, I didn't grow up in church and and so I'm, I do wonder if it's something that has been neglected in in teaching in 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 discipleship it's, in other words is the church ill-equipped is that where you're seeing the lack yeah i think so because um again um uh, in our new course that we do have coming out and i'm not trying to promote it per se but it's called engaging the public square with a better story and the first part of the course says hey listen we no longer live in uh, Jerusalem, we live in Athens. And it contrasts the style that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter had when they addressed the crowds. When Peter addressed 
uh, the people in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, those people had already in their DNA certain things of a belief in God, a, a great knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, knew the law. And so they even knew there was a Messiah coming, though they had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. So when Peter preached, they could connect the dots. Paul, when he walks into Athens, we're talking a totally, totally secular crowd. And so what Paul has to do in his address is begin at creation. So I think we're going to have to be able to go back because we no longer live in Jerusalem. We do live in Athens in our culture today. Well, I want to dig into that a little bit more when we return because we need help in methods. So more when we get back. Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we have been talking about evangelism, the good news, and how to share it. I shared my testimony, and my awesome guest, Jerry McCorkle, shared his testimony, and we want to help you so that, especially during this season, but at all seasons, but right now, there are so many people who are focused on thinking about talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. And so what a great opportunity to explain the whole thing. Like, what? why is this important? It's not just that we celebrate on December 25th, but it's a, it's, we, it should inform our whole lives and for eternity. So I want to talk about some best practices and methods. And you, before our break, you were talking, you started to go into that. But here, here we are. If I am on the plane or if I am walking down the street and my brain, my brain can't think of all of these, everything that you just said. <laughs> and, you know, we start to kind of, when we get in a real life conversation, we get kind of jumbled. So is there a best practice or a way that you can encourage people to remember how to share the good news. Yeah, I, uh, I'll just give you an illustration of what happened to us just a few days ago. My wife and I were on our way to Phoenix and we, we were flying out of Asheville. So we went out to a restaurant there. And as we sat down, there was a, a lady beside us, uh, kind of really glued to her phone, eating by herself. When the meal was over. My wife just happened to lean over and ask her because she had ordered a dessert about the Italian cream cake. And 45 minutes later, uh, we've had this wonderful discussion with her. I just happened to do, which I think is important. Whenever you are uh, engaging people on a plane or in a restaurant or wherever you are, that you have the ability to do small talk. You'll never be able to go into deeper issues sometimes unless you've been able to establish some type of rapport. And we did that with her. And I introduced a book that I was reading by David Brooks. She was really interested. And I said to her, you know, it's really important in order to have to be a good conversationalist that you ask really good questions. And so we talked about questions. And then I just happened to say, now that you we've talked about this, can I ask you a question? Uh, once this life's over, what do you think the future holds for you. And that opened up a great 
and wonderful opportunity to be able to talk to her. And that was nothing forced. It wasn't awkward. Yeah. But we had already established conversation. So I would say to people, one of the things that you could really learn is, and that would really help you out is how to be a better conversationalist, how to do small talk, which will allow you then to go into deeper issues. And when you go into those deeper issues, it's always good to have some type of tools or to kind of know where you're going. And so those are some, just some practical things. And just what we tried to do in our own neighborhood at Christmas time, uh, we've had uh, a weenie roast uh, at the Christmas time. We've uh, had people over, even during COVID, we met outside and had hot chocolate with cookies and invitations would be sent out to our neighbors. Uh, every Christmas we make gifts for our neighbors, have gifts, uh, and it's a great there that you can include uh, a little, we have what's called the story booklet or uh, Rebecca McLaughlin is Christmas unbelievable. Just nothing really kind of uh, too forward, but something yeah. that shows that we think about them. Here's a nice little gift and here's a seed that's planted. And anybody can do that type of thing. And so, but I think it's being conscious of every opportunity that you have, whether it's in your neighborhood, a plane, or even at, at a restaurant. I, I love that. And, you know, the risks in those situations are really just rejection. And, and I think those, those things still sting, but it's, it's not life altering, but it could be life altering for someone else. That could be something that could be tremendously, um, it could change the whole trajectory of their lives. Like it changed the trajectory of mine, um, by the grace of God. And so, what I wonder then, because I think some people might that they they'll be kind of afraid and maybe timid to enter in or selfish. Let's be honest, we ourselves. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I think that's something we need to be honest about. We are yeah. we are busy, um, we are distracted. We like we, we like to be on our phones in the air, airport, you know. So we don't necessarily see the world around us, and I think we should be honest about those things. That it right. takes, uh, yes, it takes a bit of not just humility but awareness. Oh, there are people around me. Mm. Um, so I, I want to say that, but beyond our own temptation, sin, temptations, and self focus and selfishness, those risks are kind of low. Um, however, what about family? <laughs> yeah. We are we are in the holidays. Um, how tough and and I don't want to to yeah, I want I mean we might be listening and thinking it's this is goes well beyond holidays. We want to be sharing the gospel and think about this beyond that, but right now we are in the holidays. How tough is it to share with family members and how would might you encourage listeners of living by faith to um to to boldly proclaim this good news to people who are where the risk is is a little greater well i think it's really important uh and i'm blessed to be in a family where many are are believers but i think it's really important that we see these people not as projects Yes. But as family members. Yes. Um, and they can pick up on the fact that if you're always, every time that they engage you, you're trying to uh, share the gospel with them. And so I, there's that balance of being bold, 
with sharing the gospel and being wise as serpent and harmless as doves to know the right timing. And I think what's, what's, what's going to be uh, vitally uh, important is that you're a good listener because everyone's going through something. There's some burden that everyone is carrying. And I think you listen well with gospel ears and then you ask questions that allow them to kind of give a narrative of what's going on in their life, their story. And once a person does that, with uh, whether it's a distant cousin or if it's uh, a sister-in-law, whatever that may be, whenever they're able to open up and allow you to tell, allow them to tell your their story, then you begin to understand them better. And I think it's just going to be, you just have to be really wise knowing when to be able to share the gospel. Uh, understanding this, my dad used to tell me, because he's passed away now, but he went on many of our New York trips. He says, Jerry, just remember when you share the gospel, understand Jesus has already been there in that person's life. And mm-hmm. I think if we have an understanding of that, that God is at work, he is doing things in their life. He's bringing other people into their life. He is at work. You need to be listening with gospel ears. You need to be very uh, discreet and bold at the same time uh, because it's a long game usually yes. uh, with family members, kind of like a marathon. If you're on an airplane, it's kind of like a sprint. You don't have uh, much time. And so you have to be a, a little bit more uh, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, assertive in that type of situation. So right. just to pray for those divine appointments, uh, listen with gospel ears, ask open-ended questions that allow them to share their narrative and be wise in knowing when to be able to to plant seeds of the gospel with them. You have said um, two things that I want to highlight. One of them has been to listen. You've said that a couple of times, and I think that's really important that we are people who listen well, we're slow to speak, we love people well, so that, and if you love people well, you're going to hear them, you're going to try to listen to them. And then I, I have stressed this idea in regards to people who are suffering, but you said people aren't projects. We like to fix people and people don't need our fixing. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And so I think that's really important that we distinguish, um, what a real project is like a, you know, building a cabinet and a person. And so we, we want to be really careful to love people well and in loving people well, we won't see them as projects. We'll see them as mm-hmm. people made in the image of God. And mm-hmm. so that is something that's, there's a distinction there that's hum, humanity versus um, and not, not someone who is, is, a human. And so I think that's really helpful. Um, hey, our, our phone lines are open and we'd like to hear from you. Do you have a gospel story when someone shared with you? Come, let us hear it. We would love to be encouraged by your testimony. Or do you have a question about how best to share? Because you have been, you want to share the gospel, but you, you, you struggle with it. Call us. You can call us at 877-548-3675 or 877-LIVE-675. You may also email us at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. That's 877-548-3675 or 
email us at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. We would love to hear from you. So we have been talking about sharing the gospel with our family. I'd love to take it to sharing the gospel with our children. So you said how many children? Three? I can't remember. Tell me again. Yeah, I have three. Yeah, three children. They're all grown now and seven grandchildren. Yes. Okay. Well, seven grandchildren, that is wonderful. So we're going, we're going to save this conversation because um, for our next segment, because I want to spend as much time as possible (laughs) talking about this. I have two children um, uh, and they're teenagers and, and I love my teenagers. I'd love to change the narrative on how we talk about teens, but that's another show for another time. But (laughs) I do think um, sharing the gospel with children and equipping parents um, for how to share the gospel. You became a Christian at the age of nine. So I think you can help encourage our faith with how to do that well. And and you have three children and seven grandchildren. So I would I would like to talk talk through that. But in sure with three quick steps, what are three things that you might encourage someone? Well. Again, uh, here at Spread Truth, we've developed uh, some resources that I think could be encouragement to help uh, you guide your children how to share their faith, even at an early age. Okay, well, when we return, we'll talk about that as well. I am so excited. Thank you so much. More soon. by Faith with Trillia Newbell. I am talking about evangelism with Jerry McCorkle, and we are we were talking about children, which is probably one of my favorite topics. <laughs> children and thinking about how to care for children and teach children, disciple children. And you were talking about a resource that you all have for uh, teaching children to share their faith. I, I want to talk about that because I love that, but Let's start with how to teach parents or guardians to share uh, about Jesus to those children. So can we start there? Is there any uh, best practices or methods that you have helped to train parents? Yeah, in Spread Truth, we kind of have like Apple, this ecosystem where Apple, you have the iPhone, you have the iPad, you have the iMac, it all flows together. Uh, and our uh, opportunities to be able to equip people to share the gospel, we, with adults, we have the story, the story film, the story training. And with children, we had the very same thing called the story maker, which puts the gospel in, in a more simplified version in the context of creation, fall, rescue, restoration. So it is a way that you can engage your children uh, through Uh, the course or just through a little booklet we have or through a beautiful six-minute animation that takes them through the gospel story and allows them to watch it in a way that they can really connect with. So if a person would go to thestorymaker.com, you'll see these resources. And I think that it can really 
help you to be able to engage your children uh, so that they can understand and know the Christian faith and receive it. And then from there, you'll be able to allow them in their own way to be able that to be able to share that same story with their peers. And I can share with you some interesting things about how children can do that and how sometimes adults listen to children sharing the gospel more than they do uh, another adult. Which is fascinating to me. So tell me more about that. So your, this resource also equips children to share the gospel. Is that correct? Yes, or it is does. It a different... so it's, okay. No, the storymaker.com is our children's division of how to teach your children the gospel, but how to also teach your children how they can share the gospel. And it goes again with the meta narrative. And so this film is beautifully done and helps really explain it. And then we have a gospel bracelet, which has four colors, which go right along with the four parts of the meta narrative story. So we go to New York City and we go out on the streets we go into uh, feeding people and little children go with their parents and they have the opportunity to engage not only little other and little children, their peers, but also even adults explaining what this bracelet means and simply say that this bracelet is more than a bracelet. This bracelet actually tells a story. And in their simple way, they're able to share how God created the world and it was perfect the way it was supposed to be. But then this blue color that, that, that first starts with green, the blue color. Blue is a word that sometimes means sadness. I'll have a blue Christmas. And everything that's sad in the world is because of sin and how we've disobeyed God and how Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And the world is broken now. But the red bead uh, is the, the hope of the story is that this beautiful, wonderful God writes himself into his own story, comes down in Jesus and is willing to live a perfect life and die for us and shed his blood. And then uh, we conclude just with the yellow bead, which is the brightness of heaven. And so I have a cute little video of my grandson with my niece and they were going through the bracelet. It is hilarious to watch oh, them yes. communicate. It, Gabe was probably three or four years old when he did it. and But to see them in their own language, in their own context, be able to share the gospel back and forth. And so I'm here to tell you that uh, children can captivate, captivate the attention of adults because, first of all, there's a respect that an that a adult will give a child, but they're willing to engage them about this important topic. And out of the mouths of babes, I mean, profound yes. truth comes out. And so... Uh, we're really, really big on equipping and training children and training children also that the image of God and, and truly I, I love your book uh, about that matter. And that's mm -hmm. one of our topics in our new curriculum is being able to view the image of God in every single individual, which is vitally important. It is so important, and I love that I got to re write God's very good idea. That's the children's yeah. book you're referring to, and and it is right. um, yes, it's such a joy to see kids engage in the gospel. Now, something that you've been saying over and over again, and I don't want to assume that our listeners understand or know the meta narrative of scripture. Mm -hmm. So, can you explain what what you're talking about? What is the meta narrative of scripture, and how? What is what's the importance of sharing the gospel in the context of the meta narrative? 
uh, in 2006, I happened to be listening, I think by cassette tape, to Dr. Tim Keller as he was addressing uh, the pastors at the Bethlehem Pastors Conference. And he made this statement. He said, the way you share the gospel is going to have to change. And it kind of takes me back. And he says, the reason is, is because people have changed. He said, there used to be in America a Christ-hauntedness. Not that they had trusted Christ as their Savior, but they knew the basic building blocks of that, you know, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, stories of the Bible. They had certain things they knew. So when you came along with your average gospel presentation with certain bullet points, they could connect the dots. He says people nowadays can't connect the dots. And so he says we're going to have to come up with something that covers the plot line. And that would be the mere narrative, the plot line, the, the parts of a story, the, the beginning of a story, which would be creation, uh, the uh, conflict that's happening in any good story, which would be the fall. And then in any good story, there's hope. And that would be, we call it, uh, you know, the redemption or rest, you know, I mean, and then the final part of the story then is, and everyone loves a good story and they all lived happily ever after. And right. that would be the restor- the restoration. And so that's what the meta narrative is because the Bible is made up of about 700 stories but really it's all one big story and it's the story that ha- flows on a certain plot line and as a result of that all of our good stories follow that same plot line all the good movies we go to you have an introduction that introduces introduces the main characters and then there's some type of conflict that really draws you into the storyline and then you're looking for that hero to come in and have and somehow be able to solve the dilemma. And then we all love good endings. And so our all of our stories and movies flow from the one story and that plot line. Mm. Well, I, I think I'd love to see us get practical. You, you, you alluded to this in when you were talking about the beads, but would you share the gospel with me and our listeners? Would you take us through that process? Sure. If I were... Just talking to someone, this will be really, really brief. And I would just be able to share with them that uh, there has to be some type of story that makes sense of all that we're going through in life, something that kind of puts things together. And I'm just going to share with you let's say her name is Sally. Sally, what I think is the best story that can explain how the world began. And then I would go in and share a little bit about creation and uh, how God created the world the way it was supposed to be. He created uh, this beautiful planet, Earth, to be lived on. But the highlight of his creation was when he made people because he made them in his very image. Not that they look like God, but there's certain characteristics that God gave to mankind that reflect who he is. And they lived in perfect harmony. But we know that, obviously, that's not the way it is today. Something happened, and that's when Adam and Eve, who were given free will because God didn't create robots, he gave them a choice uh, to, to obey. And I think the reason he gave them that choice was to see if they would really trust him. And like us, uh, we often failed. And that's the first part of how I would share uh, the, the, the creation fall. And there's a lot more to it, but maybe we can get that later. Yes, I want to hear the rest of that gospel presentation. So when we return, we will hear it. Thank you so much. More soon.
Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell. And before the break, we were talking about the gospel. We were hearing the good news of God's grace shared with us. And I want us to pick up where we left off. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, yes, I'd love for you to, to tell us where you were and keep going. Because I think it's really important that we hear it in, in, uh, hear it practically shared as we are trying to apply this because I think I really do believe that it's easy easier said than done for most people right yes it is and and we get yeah. we yeah we get in environments and we get jumbled up and we get confused so so where were you and where were you going okay I was at the fall and really creation fall uh rescue and restoration answer for questions that I think everybody thinks about in life is first of all how did everything begin and so we were gave a brief uh, synopsis of creation and then it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that something's gone wrong in the world yeah. we pick up the newspaper every day and we read these the headlines and that is a result of what happened in the garden when mankind chose to rebel against God and that has been the case for every single individual and then it would be the, here I would probably maybe share my own story or just share that, hey, listen, we've all made, you know, horrendous mistakes. We've all made grievous choices. And as a result of that, there's been shame and, you know, discouragement, depression and all. So it, it kind of begs the question, uh, not only worldwide with what's going on, but in my own soul, uh, can anything really be done? And that's when we would enter, uh, introduce the rescue that God in his kindness and his sovereignty uh, is going to write himself into his own story. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. God puts on a body. He's going to move into the neighborhood and he's going to live a perfect life. And you can give verse of that. And then he's going to. But the ultimate reason that he came was to go to a cross and shed his blood so that he could rescue us from uh, sin and rescue us from death. And then he rose again to prove who, that he was God. And so that I would really explain and maybe at that point give my personal testimony of rescue. So all of this is intertwined not only with the meta narrative, but with, with your own story, being willing to listen to any question that they have. And then the conclusion of the story is, is what happens to us if we've trusted Christ as Savior. And that the ending of this story is beyond your wildest imagination because he's creating a new heaven and a new earth. He said, behold, I make all things new. And I think sometimes people kind of get this uh, weird concept that we're escaping this world and we're going to be forever on these clouds with a harp singing hymns forever. You know, obviously, we'll be worshiping God, but there's actually a new earth that uh, we will be living on. And the deepest longings and the deepest desires and yearnings of our soul will be met when we're with Jesus one day. And so and then I would conclude by this, say, listen, there's all different types of theories or philosophies out there, but I, and I got this from Gavin Ortland. He calls it abductive reasoning. Based on the evidence that's his hand, this is just the best explanation that I know of. I think when you approach it that way, it's not so much in their face. It gives it the opportunity to really sit back and ponder. And so when you're talking creation, say it's just the best explanation that I know of what the, the, the word of God says here of why mankind's kind has gone wrong and why Jesus 
our dating system revolves around him. Uh, you know, the best explanation I know is this story and the yearnings for a happy ending. Why is that there? And I think this story answers that. So I think this idea of abductive reasoning, the argument for the best explanation has some real value in Gavin's book. He talks about that a lot. Yeah. So if you are listening and you have never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can right now. You can today. And mm -hmm. if you are listening and you're confused, <laughs> grab a friend, ask someone at church, go to a church, first of all, um, but ask someone to help, exp help explain the good news, the gospel to you, because we that's that's my ultimate hope in this life. And I also believe with all my heart that everyone needs to know Jesus. And I, um, I, I, I was, that's so many, that's why I was so excited to have you on because you've lived a life of sharing this good news and you've trained people to share this good news. And I want, I want people to know him, to know Jesus and he's available. And so, um, so one question that I have, and I think this is I, I don't know if you actually even talk or write about this, but it is something that's just so deeply a part of my heart in this show, Living by Faith. We're trying to help people walk out their faith. And of course, sharing the gospel is part of that. It's one aspect of it. We, are, we should go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that God has commanded. But one could be um, think that the, the importance of sharing the gospel is only about um, evangelism. Often we think the gospel just in terms of evangelism, but we need it too, right? Mm -hmm. How is exactly. the gospel for believers? Yeah, uh, I believe that, I think it was, again, maybe it was Dr. Tim Keller, the idea that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Uh, I think all of us, um, in our walk with Jesus, sometimes uh, we struggle, we have doubts. Does he love me? Am I good enough? You know, we're all approval junkies and trying in, in, in our lives and to go back to the basics of the gospel that uh, he loves us with an um, unconditional love and to be able to get that truth down deep into our souls and that though I am broken and though I am a sinner, because of Christ, I have been declared to be just as righteous as Jesus Christ because I placed my faith in him, which is still a concept, uh, Trulia, that's, yeah. that's a challenge. I can't, you know, I can't, you know, because I think, man, I'm not good enough. But does he, does God the Father love me just as much as he loves Jesus? Yes, because I've been placed in his son and he sees me just as righteous as Jesus. Wow, mm. that's the gospel, but it's a lifelong learning process. Uh, to really let that truth sink into me because I have doubts sometimes. And then uh, the, the idea of what am I living for, the future, uh, the, the the restoration, that there'll be a day when I'll be made whole, uh, that mm -hmm. should wake me up in the morning and give me hope in a world that's uh, really, really broken. So I need to preach those truths to myself every day uh, because I by no means have it down, by no means. Absolutely. You know, it's, I think it was actually Jerry Bridges who coined that phrase to preach the gospel okay. to yourself. But, you know, all of us writers, we borrow from one writer to the next writer to the next. So uh, Jerry Bridges probably 
found it somewhere near, somewhere yeah. else. But the point it, is, <laughs> the point is that we should. There's preach nothing the new gospel. under the sun. <laughs> There's just nothing new under the sun. We we should, and you you even have uh, mentioned some great writers and thinkers and speakers who. Um, so if you all listen back to the show, because it is also, uh, it goes into a podcast form, you write all those names down. I've heard Rebecca McLaughlin and uh, Gavin Ortland, Tim Keller. There's lots of people that we're, we're learning from as we um, think through this topic. But, but one of the things that you've also mentioned was um, resources. So you, you, you have talked about those resources. Um, is there one particular one that you want to point people to? Well, maybe two. Uh, the, the one resource that's been around since 2008 is our little story booklet. And it's designed beautifully that you would never be embarrassed to hand it to someone that's, that's not a Christian. It's done really, really well. And it takes a person through the, the gospel, four parts of the gospel from a 50,000 foot point of view. Uh, so that's a wonderful resource. And we also have what is called the story film, which is that same story and wonderful animation in 24 different languages. And it's the gospel in your pocket. You won't always have the Bible with you. But if I'm talking to a person, let's say from um, in the part from mainland China, and I'm never going to see that person again, but we've had a conversation. I say, well, listen, can I just send you uh, a little story here? And it's just a story that has changed my life. Well, he'll get that story film in his language. We partner with Transworld Radio. It's contextualized for the culture. Uh, and so that's another great tool. And then one other tool that, like I said, will be coming out in February is engaging the public square with a better story. And that's being able to work through this tough a social landscape with all the different issues that are out there that we're having to deal with and how do you have good conversations and introduce the gospel into those issues as a better story. All right. Well, we will have those resources in our show notes. I'd like to thank my guest, Jerry McCorkle, for joining me today. Also, thanks to the behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, and my engineer, Bob, and Anthony on the phone lines. Um, to hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trillia Newbell. Living by Faith is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 